is Jennifer at No Label Brewery, and you're listening to Drink of Ages Radio Show with John Denman. Come out to No Label seven days a week and join us for some badass beers on tap. Don't forget to visit our website at nolabelbrew.com for all events happening at our brewery. Hope to see you soon. I can think of only one thing that could lift my spirits right now. Beer. 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 This is Drink of Ages on ESPN 97.5. The only show dedicated to craft beer, spirits, and music. Here's your host and luminary, John Denman. John Denman. All right, everybody, welcome to another Drink of Ages radio show here on ESPN 97.5. I want to thank everybody for tuning in this Friday night. Hope you're drinking nothing but some great beer out there. Not driving, but enjoying some great beers out there or going to a place to get some. Uh, yeah, we're here sitting at Drink of Ages Pub, 1005 Wall Drive. Come by if you're in the area. Stop by, have a beer with us. A lot of great beers on tap here. A lot of... Uh, Man, what am I? What am I having now, man? We we started off with some some real L, and then I'm um, continuing with some real L actually, and some Axis IPA. So we gotta get my head straight. So a little real L Axis IPA to get the show started. And this show is sponsored by our friends over at Eureka Heights, and they have a new beer out called Wow Factor, 5.1 percent hoppy German style pilsner that adds a unique orangey aroma. And flavored. I mean, it's, it's perfect for the Houston hot weather. Get some on draft to your favorite good beer places or stop by Eureka Heights for a pint or two. Uh, tonight's show, well, we got some good special guests coming, hanging out. Uh, Real L Brewing Company, which we'll, we'll talk about it, but if I'm not mistaken, the oldest brewery in Texas. Uh, right behind St. Arnold. Right so behind. Second oldest. Second oldest. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. We do have our buddies right down the street at St. Arnold. Being the oldest, actually, well, let me introduce everybody real quick because the president and co-owner Brad Farbstein is is here. So welcome, Brad. Thank you. Thanks for having and me. And Ian Rocha is here as well. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. And man, so one of the things that we were talking about earlier today was, uh, uh, you know, yes, that's right. Saint Arnold is Texas' oldest craft brewery, and you guys are just right, right behind them. Yeah, we opened in April of 1996, so I believe Brock opened in 94. Um, I had the opportunity to work for Brock. He gave me my first opportunity in the craft beer business. So I worked uh, for uh, Brock and his partner, Kevin, at the time uh, as a market rep in Austin. And that was my first job in the uh, craft beer business. I was a crazy home brewer. I graduated from UT with a BA in economics and wanted nothing to do with my degree. And um, uh, wanted to uh, brew beer for a living. So I harassed Brock for uh, uh, many months to give me a job. And I'm not sure if he was uh, tired of uh, hearing me call or actually wanted to hire me, but he gave me a job and I worked as a market rep for him in Austin for about a year and a half. Um, so you miss out on the, the good old hot brewery days. I did, but I, I got an opportunity to, you know, really kind of see the beginnings at St. Arnold and, uh, you know, some of the original uh, team members, um, uh, some of who are still uh, out there. And uh, it was a great learning experience and taught me a ton about uh, uh, 
quality and uh, consistency and making really solid beers. So cheers to St. Arnold for doing what they do. Real Ale Brewing Company, yeah, just just the, the history is pretty. It's pretty cool. Anytime a business has been around for you know twenty some odd years, there's a lot of history. Uh, but one of the things that you know started off as different owners. That's right. Yeah. So it was uh, Philip and Diane Connor and their son Charles. Uh, and uh, Charles was a computer uh, uh, engineer, uh, and he worked for a high-tech company in Austin. And uh, he would help his uh, dad out on the weekends. Uh, Philip still uh, worked a full-time job and brewed on the weekends. And uh, uh, they ran the brewery for uh, the first two years. Uh, I, uh, I had left St. Arnold soon after uh, Real L was started and got hired away by a small specialty beer distributing company in Austin called Microability Beverage. It was one of the first craft beer distributors. And um, I uh, got hired uh, away as a sales manager. Um, uh, and I was given a, a company car, uh, which was really cool. Um, I didn't realize being a sales manager that I didn't actually have any employees. Um, so <laughs> I spent a lot of time managing myself. And I didn't realize my company car was a 1978 Le Mans that someone had taken a three-pound sledgehammer to the hood, and you had to start it with a screwdriver. Uh, as a matter of fact, a funny story was my first day on the job, I started my car with my flathead screwdriver, and uh, we were on the east side in Austin, and back in those days, uh, it wasn't a very... Uh, friendly neighborhood and not, got, not the best places to be but there's a lot of screwdrivers you know starting there's cars. plenty of screwdrivers so i got pulled over uh soon after leaving the parking lot of microbility and i had the cop pull a gun on me because he saw the screwdriver in the ignition and i uh, clearly explained to him that my uh my boss had given me that as the key to the car and uh, uh we got it all figured out and he didn't shoot me which is good so i uh i worked for microbility and uh you know, we sold a lot of the beers uh, that were the Texas Pioneer Brewers. So, sold a lot of beer from Yellow Rose, which was out of San Antonio. They had some brands like Bubba Dog and Wildcat or Stout that I think was uh, some of the original uh, Texas craft brewers, as well as Main Street, which is a brewery up in uh, uh, Dallas. Uh, we also had uh, Bosky and Waco probably a lot of brands that most people have no idea what I'm talking about, but uh, one of the brands that um, I was enamored with was Real L under the uh, Connor family. They made uh, one of my still favorite beers called Full Moon Pale Rye Ale, and uh, uh, one of the reasons I took the job was that I was able to buy Full Moon at cost, and uh, that seemed like a good uh, job perk to have. Good trade-off, so, yeah. Um, you know, I would uh, work during the week uh, helping them sell beer throughout the Austin market. And then on the weekends, I would go uh, out to Blanco and I would help them brew and bottle and keg. And, uh, you know, being a home brewer, I was a lot more interested in making the beer than I was in selling the beer. Um, and I built a really strong relationship with the Connor family. And um, I got a call from uh, Philip. Uh, it was probably January, February of uh, 98. And uh, he said they were having some financial problems and he was having some health problems and they were going to be closing the brewery down and he wanted to see if I could help him um, 
find somebody who was interested in buying the brewery. And I immediately told him on the phone that I wanted to buy the brewery. And he said, well, that's great, but you don't have any money. Um, and uh, I told him we'd get something figured out. So uh, he was super generous with me. Uh, and uh, what we did was set up a, a management agreement where I took over managing the brewery for him. And we took about 80% of the proceeds every month, and we used that to uh, pay down a debt to Philip and uh, his family. And so uh, over about a three-year period, we got Philip paid off, and uh, and we were off to the races. So uh, I took over the brewery in the summer of uh, 1998, and we produced about uh, 300 barrels of beer that year, which was uh, on a 15-barrel brew house. Uh, we brewed about 20 times, so... Uh, about twice a month uh, on a good month and uh, you know uh, selling craft beer and in, uh, in the early uh, 2000s and late 90s was a pretty uphill battle uh, especially uh, in Texas and uh, it took us a long time to really gain some momentum but um, we uh, we ended up uh, capping that brew house out in uh, 2006 uh, at 5500 barrels on a 15 barrel system so not sure how many 15s go into 500 but i think it's a lot. a lot of brewing <laughs> yeah yeah we were uh we were brewing uh, uh seven days a week 24 hours a day 365 days a year um uh, and uh that's when we uh, moved to our new location which is about a mile north of our original location which was in a basement facility uh, with no floor drains uh, and seven foot ceilings uh, but uh, we moved it to a, a new facility that we built from the ground up, opened that up in uh, 2007, and we had uh, purchased uh, Harpoon's Old Brew House up in Boston in 2002, and we put it out in the field uh, for about three and a half years until we hooked it up and uh, uh, started brewing on it. Uh, so uh, first year in production at the new place was... Uh, uh, 2007, and uh, we uh, we produced about 11,000 barrels uh, up from the 5,500 barrels a year before, and it's just been a rocket ship ride ever since. So uh, uh, last year we were ranked by the Brewers Association as the 49th largest craft brewer in America, even though we only sell our beer in a single state. So uh, uh, we're uh, we're cranking. We just finished. Uh, a seven and a half million dollar expansion project putting in a brand new five vessel fully automated 120 barrel uh browcon brew house and uh we're super excited about having it you know uh we uh we pushed that uh harpoon system to the limits uh we were brewing on that system 24 hours a day five and a half days a week and we were literally running out of days in the week and uh, needed to upgrade the brew house. It was, uh, uh, it, was, it was a good 12, 15 years old when we bought it and we brewed on it for 10 years and uh, uh, we were in need of an upgrade. So in 2015, uh, we started designing the new brew house. We commissioned uh, Braucon out of Sion, uh, Germany to manufacture the, uh, the equipment for us. It took about 18 months to manufacture the equipment about four and a half months to ship it overseas and uh, we got it up and running in uh, December of last year uh, and we're currently brewing on it and uh, 
it uh, it's amazing the technology that's happened over the last 30 years in brewing. So we're uh, we're happy to take advantage of some of that technology out there. Uh, one of the cool things that we did as well is is we had Browcon produce a pilot system for us. It's a 10 hectoliter pilot system that allows us to uh, brew some smaller one-off projects um, that's not on the main brew house and uh, uh, is is significantly less risk. So we're able to brew some stuff that we um, is probably outside the box for most real ale brands. So uh, we brewed uh, yoga pants on that uh, brew house, which was a uh, double wit with hibiscus and agave nectar. And uh, we brewed uh, pineapple nunchucks, which was uh, pineapple saison with red Korean uh, chilies. Uh, we have a, a beer we're about to release, uh, an IPL, India PL lager, that'll come off that brew house as well, that'll uh, launch uh, next week here uh, in Houston. And um, we've, been, we've been having a lot of fun. As a matter of fact, John, I think you got the uh, uh, dry Irish nitro stout on right now, and that was the first beer we brewed on that. Uh, pilot system. So it's it's actually funny. Um, uh, we have this really big fancy brew house, but uh, all my brewers want to brew on the pilot system. On the small stuff, yeah, <laughs> of course. I, they brew a lot of firemen's and axes and devil's backbone on the main brew house, but they all want to brew on the little system. So yeah. it's fun. All right, uh, man. After after that, I have like a million questions. That's it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and you know, just for just for the record, he still requires us to start our cars with the screwdriver. The screwdriver, so. just, just yeah. to make sure that yeah, just for, to no, make sure that everybody understands where we started from. <laughs> yeah, the roots. All right, let's take a quick break. When we get back. We'll talk more with Real L Brewing Company. This is Drink of Ages. Be right back. Tap is killing it with their IPAs. Heavy Hands, Justin, Houston Haze, Draped Up, all have been phenomenal brews. With all the tasty releases, man, don't forget about Hop Gusher. This has been one of my favorite go-to beers for a while now. 6.5%, nicely balanced with a blast of hoppy aroma. The citrus taste and slight bitterness makes this a crowd pleaser. Grab some Hop Gusher and make this a regular in your beer fridge. If you are a fan of good beer, then come by Drink of Ages Pub, 1005 Wall Drive in Montrose. We have over 200 beers with 32 specialty rotating taps of badass beers, cider, kombucha, and cold-brewed nitro coffee. Take a 32-ounce growler or build a mixed six-pack to go. You can even bring your own growlers in, and we will fill them. Drink of Ages Pub, badass beer for here, badass beer to go. All right, Drink of Ages, we are back on. We're sitting over at Drink of Ages Pub. Having some good beers, having some real L axes at the moment still. And, man, I, I sh probably should have refilled my cup before we started the show again. So, But what, what we'll probably do is, um, uh, no, no, we don't need to stop. What we'll do is we'll ask a question, then I'll run and grab a beer real quick and come back. <laughs> and Brad will still be talking. Brad will be talking. We'll be talking, uh, but just real quick, we want to talk about our buddies up in Spring Thistle Draft Shop. And if you haven't been out there, you need to go check it out. It's right out 2920, and man, they have over 60 taps, really good beers on tap, badass kitchen, bottles and cans. You can get beer to go, drink pints there. Appreciate that. Yeah. And uh, man, yeah, Thistle Draft Shop. If you've never been, go check them out. Uh, Mary and the gang up there. there, they do have a lot of real ale up there. 
Yeah, yeah go support Mary. Mary worked uh, at St. Arnold for, gosh, I want to say close to 10 years and uh, uh, was a big supporter of the industry. Yeah, she got a pretty kick-ass spot up there. She does. Oh, yeah. yeah, Thistle is amazing. Yeah, I think we got a big beer dinner coming up out there as well. Yeah, I think I think we do. We just we just did the popsicle pairing uh, yeah. this past weekend that uh, was a banger, and then uh, I think there's a, a pretty cool beer dinner. Their food out there is is coming out pretty pretty amazing as well. Yeah, yeah, they've done they've done exceptional. Unfor- yeah. Unfortunately, I don't have that side of town anymore, so I don't get to see Marion and and Co as often as I'd like to. I don't get to see them as often. As, I don't go to the restaurant as often as I like, but I usually meet up with Mary. You know, just, we meet up for lunch just to hang out and cool. have a couple of beers, yeah, and eat some lunch, great. talk about some Mary's stuff. Great. Yeah, shameless plug. October uh, the second, we'll be out there doing a beer dinner, and uh, it should be pretty epic. So, if you get a chance, come out and see us. If you get time, see it. Thistledraftshop.com. Follow them on Facebook, get all the uh, all the great information. But uh, we're hanging out, Real L Brewing Company. We have Brad Farbstein and Ian Rocha here at Drink of Ages Pub. And, and you know, we talk about like the, the early days uh, of Real L. You know, starting off in a basement. He said no floor drains. Yeah, I, I've been in breweries. It's a messy, messy ass business, and there's a lot that gets all over the floor and everything else. I mean, what? How did that work out? I mean, it was just. Uh, not very well. A lot of shop vacs. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, you know, uh, we had a lot of shop vacs. And, um, you know, uh, what we would use uh, to drain the tanks was actually uh, we would go to Home Depot and buy the aluminum paint pans because they're really low. And we would stick those underneath the valve and you would drain enough into the paint pan that filled the paint pan and you'd have a five-gallon bucket next to you. And you would empty the paint pan into the bucket and then fill the paint pan up again. So, uh, yeah, we had seven-foot ceilings also. So all horizontal tanks. Uh, you know, uh, our distributor uh, like to refer to it as the brewery of inches because everything literally fit by like a half of an inch. And uh, But we made do, you know, um, at the end of the day... Um, you know, you can make great beer on really uh, horrible equipment. Uh, it really just uh, uh, is determined by your skill set and the ingredients that you use. So uh, you don't need fancy stuff to make great beer. You just need good, time-honored, traditional methods and uh, a good understanding of uh, the microbiology and chemistry that goes into making beer. So, uh, yeah, we made really good beer uh, on a... Uh, our original brew house actually came out of uh, Hershey, Pennsylvania. It was a chocolate mixer and a chocolate cooker. And it was actually Texas's first microbrewery. It was brought down uh, to Texas and installed up in North Texas in 1986. Uh, it was a brewery called Reinheitsgebot Brewing. And they were around for about three years, went out of business in 89. Uh, we acquired the equipment, uh, we being the Connor family. Acquired the equipment from them in uh, 94 and then opened up in 96 in Blanco. In the 90s in Texas, there were brew pubs opening up all over the place. And unfortunately, it didn't last. I mean, Houston, we had... uh, BJ's, right? Well, BJ's, Houston Brewing Company, Company, uh, Two Rows. Two Rows, obviously. And then there was one that opened up like 45 North in Rankin. Remember that one? And now it's like Mamacita's or something like that. And they were a brew pub. Now, maybe it was a big 
franchise thing or something like that, that they didn't brew their beer there, but they had the tanks. They had Humperdinks, maybe? Or was that in Dallas? No, it was in Dallas. Humperdinks was Dallas. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so there was a lot. There was a, like a big push during that time of craft beer. And then, of course, lost all those. And very few breweries survived during that time. So They didn't survive because Real Ale survived. Because Real Ale survived. Real Ale survived. <laughs> and yeah, but but that's that's, that's kind of the, the interesting thing is that yeah, well back to St. Arnold. St. Arnold was able to, to make it through those times. Real Ale was able to make it through those times, and not only that, but then just absolutely flourish because people still wanted to drink craft beer. It just for whatever reason, as a business at that time, brew pubs just didn't work out. And now we're seeing brew pubs being built all over the place again. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, what was going on was. Um uh, and, and we see it today is uh, as uh, a lot of uh, venture capital, a lot of money gets introduced into the system. Uh, people have very high expectations of return on investment, and you know breweries are great businesses, but they're a very slow return on investment. It, it, no, I read some stuff, right? And and, and tell me that's true that. Uh um, like I had a buddy of mine that owns a brewery, and we were talking about you know this distribution and what directions that the brewery should go right now. Still an early brewery, but direction and stuff, and how it's like, man, you know, if we just have more capital, we can do these things. And after I read this article about how it was uh, five years before you took a paycheck and eight years before you the company really started making a profit. That's true. And yeah. I, I sent that to him. It was like, well, you better be in it for the long haul. Cause yeah. <laughs> It's yeah, a lot of ramen was eaten during those years. Uh, but, you know, I mean, um, we always got in the business to make great beer. We didn't get in the business to make a ton of money. Uh, we're fortunate that we are making money doing it and uh, making a pretty honest living. Uh, but, you know, our uh, our values haven't changed over the last 20 years. I mean, uh, I always tell people, you know, we don't necessarily want to be the biggest brewery. Uh, we just want to be the best brewery. And, you know, we built the whole company on four basic philosophies it's quality consistency innovation and value and if we can't hit those four parameters every single time when we launch a new product or launch a new uh, project uh, we just don't do it so we choose not to do a lot of things the things that we're going to do we're going to do um, we're going to do it right and we're going to make sure that um, we can produce it over and over again consistently and uh, that we're going to be able to offer it to our customers at a reasonable price. And, uh, uh, you know, I think that's, um, that's probably one of the reasons that we're still around is, you know, we're probably not the flashiest brewery. We're probably not the, uh, the one that gets the most hype. But I think people know uh, when they grab our beer exactly what they're getting. And time and time again, it tastes exactly the same as the first time they had it. And I think uh, there's a lot to be said about that. We produce a lot of beer. Um, and um, if um, if we get someone hooked on a brand they really like, we want to make sure that um, it's of uh, the quality that uh, we expect. You know, a lot of people uh, say, and Ian will probably agree, but, you know, uh, a lot of people say I'm difficult to work for, uh, but I don't really think that's the case. I just have very high standards and expectations, and I expect the people around me to have those same standards and expectations. So... Um, you Which, know, I'll be honest with you, man. It's kind of hard to find these days. Uh, yeah, it's just yeah, just uh, running across this 
I'm just going to sound old, man. You well, know, it's just old, man. coming you. across these, uh, this, this generation coming up now. It's just, just not quite the same work ethic and the, the drive to make the company better. Yeah, it's tough, you know, and, and I think what you have to do is, you know, part of your job as a leader is to inspire people and to get in the trenches with them. And I think that's why my team respects me is that, you know, there's nothing I ask anybody to do that I haven't done myself and won't do with them. So, Drive around that car with a screwdriver. Yeah. And with the screwdriver, yeah. yeah. And I mean, you know, for, for, for me, you know, I've, I've done just about every job outside of actually brewing the beer that there is to do. And, um, you know, these, these guys at Real Ale have inspired me for so long. As a matter of fact, uh, I think I applied probably three times uh, uh, before they fi- if they finally picked me up, I, I I got their attention enough. But you know, it's just the 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 stories sounds of sounds like Ale. a familiar story. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the story the stories of uh, of real ale across the state are just are are infamous. Um, the the beers are um, have have stood the test of time in a marketplace that's uh, that's really difficult to participate in. And uh, you know, now of course. I'm on this side, and, and you know we're 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 selling beer for for these guys that are working hard and, and making the beer for us, and um, you know it's it's an honor to to be out here selling this uh, this liquid because it's just um, you know just some of the but, best in Texas. And then let's not like discredit the fact that this is in Blanco, Texas. We're not talking about right. Houston, San Antonio, right. Austin, Dallas. You know, even throwing El Paso in there for fun. Yeah, sure, as, as any of the big cities. <laughs> Amarillo. Yeah, we're talking um, you know, hey, Blanco, we just, Texas. We just got a, a a fancy turn signal installed in Blanco, Texas. <laughs> That's right. So we, we had right. we had the red light, the yellow light, and the green light. Now, now we got arrow. the flashing arrow. Now you there's got the arrows. arrows. Yeah. So fifteen hundred people. Pizza place, right? A pizza place. A pizza yeah. place you got. So, fifteen hundred people in the city of Blanco. Uh, we're the largest employer behind the school district, and. Uh, the community has really embraced us. I mean, they think we're a little crazy, and we probably are, but uh, <laughs> uh, they've been really, really good to us. And we're the largest brewery in Blanco. Yeah. <laughs> we're the only brewery in Blanco, but, you know. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it, it's a great place to live. You know, I mean, uh, anybody that gets a chance to go out to the Hill Country, you know, your blood pressure starts dropping. You get outside uh, of everything just Dripping Springs, yes. and it's, you know, it's a little bit cooler out there because there's a lot less concrete and... Um, it's just a really beautiful place to be, and you know the uh, second story of our new brew house kind of looks over the hill country, and it's a pretty damn fine place to have your office. So, um, yeah, if anybody gets a chance, come out and see us. Uh, Breweries open to the public uh, Wednesday through Sunday. We do tours on Friday and Saturday at one and three, and uh, we're dog and kid friendly. So uh, bring them out and uh, drink a beer with us. All right, let's take another quick break. When we get back, we'll talk more with Real L Brewing Company. Drink of Ages radio show. Stay tuned. What you want is what you get. You ain't seen nothing yet. Treat me wrong, I'll be alright. Treat me wrong, I got to put you Over at one of my favorite places to have a pint, eat some food, and enjoy the big deck, Platypus Brewing. Sean is joining me, and Sean, what makes Platypus special? Yeah, hi, John. Look, uh, Platypus Brewing, it's brewed with Texan heart and Australian soul. Our philosophy, quality, creativity, and passion. Look, uh, enjoy a handcrafted beer served with our extensive food menu, 
and uh, don't forget the great choice of Australian wines. Our tap room is open seven days a week. Besides your core beers, what should people be drinking? Yeah, good question, John. Uh, look, we have a regular rotating seasonal menu. It includes our current Houston Hoppy Hooch Hazy IPA. We've got the uh, Ole Chit Mexican Lager, and uh, we can't forget the Mother Pucker Tangerine Berliner Weiss. Uh, topped off with our uh, trusty bourbon barrel-aged Chain Rattler Imperial Stout. So look, a wide selection of handcrafted beers for all palates. Well, stop by Platypus Brewing on Washington Avenue, just a stone's throw from downtown, and man, enjoy some good pints and some great food. This is Drink of Ages Radio Show. Sit around just drinking nothing but great beer. Talking about great beer with some great beer people. Uh, we have Ian Arocha and Brad Farbstein from Real Ale Brewing Company hanging out here at Drink of Ages Pub. Um, and I don't know if it was during the break or right before, but you know we're talking about Blanco, Texas, and and you know the, the hill country and. I was thinking, I was like, man, if you've never been to the hill country and you live in Texas, then you just need to move back from wherever you came from. Yeah, I mean, just just go back because if you haven't experienced that the whole area, because it is, it's a beautiful place. And where where Blanco sits, just was it northwest of Austin, uh, due west, straight west of Austin, due west, forty five minutes west of Austin, forty uh, minutes north of San Antonio. So yeah, uh, it's you, a beautiful spot. And, between, um, I mean, you have Pernell's Falls, you, sure. have, uh, you have Fredericksburg, Fredericksburg. Area, all the wineries. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, if you're into the there. wineries, yep. yeah, distilleries are a lot of fun. There's a lot of good chocolate <laughs> that I had at Fredericksburg. <laughs> yeah, uh, Inks Lake, yeah, yeah, you get to jump off rocks over Enchan- at the Double Scope. Enchanted Rock. Enchanted Rock, every time I've gone in the last five years, the line's so long that haven't made it up yep hamilton pool if you've never been out there it's hamilton a be- pool is a beautiful spot. place yeah. yeah jacob's well jacob's well and uh almost uh, some guy almost jumped on me in jacob's hole. well yeah. I, I almost killed a german guy that day <laughs> yes because uh I, I went and i was like you know what i'm gonna see how deep i can go in jacob's well so i ran jumped off a rock i needled it right just to go down and as i went down i was like all right that's i feel like i'm pretty deep and you go up somebody jumped in right above me and i'm like oh man it, it just like i saw red i was like i just got really angry and i got out of the water and i was about to confront this guy and he turned and he just like just talking to his buddies and they're all german you know and just i'm like all right, man. Yeah. I'll give this guy a pass. He didn't know or something. I don't know. I don't know. But and they handed you a brew house brown and, and everything. Then just enjoy was, it. I was like, you know what? Cheers. Was good. Cheers. <laughs> but yeah, man. There's so much stuff to do out there. There is. Yeah. Uh, uh, tons to do. It's a beautiful spot. And um, yeah, you should come out and see us. Well, one of the things I definitely want to come up because I, I mean, it's, it sucks. That I've never been to the brewery. I don't even know why. Yeah, it just. Just need to make a day trip. We'll put a bus trip together and come out there and hang out. And then, yeah, maybe an overnight bus trip would yeah, be a fun one. Yep. There's a hotel literally stumbling distance from the brewery, right on the same street. Then we uh, then, then go check out the distillery as well. Yeah. So we launched our distilling program in uh, 2014. Uh, we had a... Uh, still custom made for us uh, in Spain. We uh, went with an alambic still. So alambic stills are designed to capture 
aromatic qualities into the final spirit. They're mainly designed to make port wines and cherries. And um, we, uh, we brought that over and uh, got it up and running. And uh, we're currently making uh, whiskey and gin uh, and using our beers as bases uh, for the wash. So our whiskey starts out as Devil's Backbone and Real Heavy Air award-winning Scotch Ale. Um, we, uh, we brew the beers exactly the same way that we uh, normally would make uh, um, for uh, the beer products, except that we don't include any hops because hops don't translate well in the still. And we also don't boil um, the wort, which freaks us out as brewers. But uh, as distillers, there's uh, components in the malt, mainly congeners, that are important flavor compounds that we want to translate into the spirit. And we, we don't want to break those down. So we'll take it up to 170 degrees to sterilize it. And then we'll send it over to the fermenter and uh, let the yeast... Uh, uh, crank through it. Uh, for the whiskey, we'll do uh, two separate distillations. We'll do a first uh, stripping run where we strip the alcohol out, and then we'll come back and do a finishing run. And then it'll go into a number three charred white oak barrel and age out in our rickhouse for, you know, somewhere around 21 to 26 months. Uh, we don't um, put an age statement on our whiskey because we believe. Um, you can ruin a really great whiskey in Texas trying to chase an age statement. So uh, we uh, we harvest the whiskey when it's ready, uh, and uh, you know age statements were built for uh, whiskeys that were made in Tennessee and Kentucky, where the climate is considerably different. Uh, in Texas, whiskey ages very quickly because of the the high temperatures and uh, low humidity, and uh, um, so. Um, we Basically because of the barrel expands and freezes. Yeah, we call it the barrel's working. Yeah. So the barrel expands during the heat of the day, and it absorbs that whiskey up into the barrel staves. And then as the evening uh, cools off, the barrel contracts and then uh, pushes that whiskey right back into the barrel. And for our gin, we start with the, uh, our Real L White, which is our Belgian-style wit uh, with orange peel and coriander. Uh, and we actually make what's called a grain-to-glass gin, which is unheard of in the industry. Uh, about 98% of all gin that's made starts out as a neutral grain spirit, which is a byproduct of the industrial distilling uh, industry and comes in a big tanker truck. And a lot of people take this alcohol in a tanker truck and put botanicals in it and call it gin. Well, or, or they, they, they take... The Pretty much a similar thing. Put it in barrels and then put a big Texas stamp on it. That's right. That's right. Yes. And uh, we, we're adamant against, you know, the, the whiskey uh, or any alcoholic product needs to be made and aged in the state in order for it to be deemed a Texas whiskey because the terror, the flavor comes from the heat and comes from the environment. You can't age a whiskey in Kentucky and blend it in Texas and call it a Texas whiskey. Well, yeah, I how, say we're one of, uh, one of what, eight or nine uh, stills in the state of Texas that yeah, are actually, we're actually making, making it. Texas whiskey? That's, that's right. Yeah. There, there's a lot of whiskey distilleries in Texas, and they all have that little Go Texas stamp on them, but I think they need to come up with... Now, don't get me wrong. The Brewers Association stamp that they have for craft breweries, it's a, it's a horrible logo, but... 
they there could be something you know somewhere yeah, that you know, actually it's, like it's a, a true. It's yeah, interesting that you that you mentioned that because you know uh, not long ago I was I was running a, a, a spot uh, downtown called Conservatory and um, we were putting together a whiskey uh, a lineup and uh, you know one of the biggest things um, that 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 we did there was we wanted to make sure that everything on our board was uh, as close to 100% craft and that and that I think is probably um, probably more true now than it was then just because it's a, a pretty difficult thing to undertake in the craft beer world but what we found was uh, trying to emulate that in a spirits world is uh, is even more so difficult because you know uh, a lot of the, the the liquid is being sourced and thrown into barrels and you know of course the consumers being being told by labels uh, that it's that it's made here and you know what sells to Texans is labels that say it's made in Texas and uh, you know, I think I think that's something that really sets us apart. Yeah, you want to be careful when you're looking at whiskey on the shelf. You want to turn the bottle around and you want to see the term distilled in Texas, not aged in Texas, not bottled in Texas, but it needs to say it's distilled in it, Texas. It's like a that, Canadian whiskey company has one out, and it's in a like a Texas shaped bottle. Yep. Even yeah, mm-hmm. and and I don't like, think it's made in Texas. No, it's not even made in Texas. I bet they sell a lot of it in Canada, though. Yeah, it might, yeah, because yeah. it's actually made there, and they love Texas and Canada. Yeah, yeah. One unique thing about that all ambic still is the reason we went with that still was to capture the ester profiles of the beer into the final spirit. So, you know, Devil's Backbone is fermented with the Belgian yeast that produces a lot of unique Belgian uh, ester profiles. And we want those ester profiles into the final spirit, and uh, as well as the real heavy. Um, real heavy has a little bit of peated malt in it, and uh, that peated malt adds uh, a really interesting dynamic to our whiskey. It adds a little hint of smoke, not a ton of smoke, but uh, something that makes it uh, uh, something that's curious, and you can't really put your finger on it, but it adds some complexity to it. So. Uh, you know, our spirits are currently only available in the tap room, uh, so uh, you have to come out to Blanca if you want to try some of our spirits. It's under uh, uh, the moniker of Real Spirits. We try to keep things pretty simple out at Real L. And um, you can come out and have cocktails in our pub, and then the state allows every adult to buy up to two bottles that they can take home with them once a month. Now, these are commemorative bottles, so... Uh, we'll mark on the back of the bottle that it's uh, to commemorate your experience. If uh, you choose to open it, that's on you. But it is a commemorative Houston, bottle. Uh, Houston alum out there at the tap room, right, making the making the cocktails for us. Yeah, that's right. Amber um, is uh, running our tap room, and you probably might have run into her over at uh, uh, DNT Drive-In or uh, one of uh, Chris Cusack's. Uh, uh, restaurants downhouse or uh, um, stay golden is that what it is or uh, 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 no not stay gold um, man I can't remember it now it was one of the ones that closed down but she's fantastic. Johnny's gold brick there you go Johnny's. yeah there you go Johnny's uh, but yeah she's fantastic um, I, I think most recently she just came out with a really good one that we're using our passion fruit wheat in and she just does some awesome stuff out there yeah it's a mule made with passion fruit wheat and uh, it's pretty pretty outstanding yeah, yeah gin's good too uh, you know we uh, make gin from whiskey instead of gin from vodka so uh, has a lot of ester profiles that come from the Belgian yeast and that Belgian wit and uh, we use uh, 10 unique botanicals a lot of fresh uh, 
grapefruit peel from the Rio Grande Valley. Uh, Blanco is the lavender capital of Texas, so there's one sprig of lavender in every batch. I'm not a huge fan of lavender personally, uh, but the city would kill us if we didn't have lavender in it. Uh, and we use one really unique botanical called bottle brush. Uh, bottle brush is an ornamental shrub that's uh, native to New Zealand. It's grown all over Houston. You might notice as uh, twice a year these really beautiful red plumes that look like bottle brushes. And the leaves of the bottle brush tree actually have a interesting kind of menthol characteristic, and that's a predominant flavor in our gin. We uh, we actually believe we're the only uh, distiller that sells distilled spirits in the United States that uses bottle brush. And the only reason we found that out is that we brewed our uh, and distilled our first batch of gin. We had about 1,800 bottles ready to go to market, and we applied for our label approval, and FDA came back and said that um, they had rejected our label because there was not a grass certificate for bottle brush. And I'm like, what in the fuck is a wow. grass certificate? And uh, they're like, it's uh, generally recognized as safe, so it's a food safety issue. Uh, but uh, we ended up uh, realizing that uh, bottle brush got uh, has two Latin roots, and the Latin root we registered under was not uh, certified, but the other was for a, a cosmetic product. So uh, uh, that really let us know that there's nobody else, at least, that sells spirits in the United States that uses bottle brush because FDA would have flagged their application as well. So I always tell people um, if you like uh, Tanqueray or Bombay, like a London dry gin, you will hate our gin. If you like a modern gin, like uh, the Botanist or uh, um, you know uh, uh, some of the newer American uh, modern gins like Hendrix, um, you'll do cartwheels in the parking lot. I just kind of discovered that uh, over the last five years that uh, I really love gin, so I'm excited to try yours. Yeah, it's really unique. You know, it's. Um, it's not like anything you've probably ever tasted, but we just didn't really feel like we could come out with a commodity gin and be successful out there. So we really felt like we had to push the limits of what gin really was and introduce a lot of fresh fruit into it. So you get a ton of citrus up in the nose of it, and then you get a little bit of that Belgian ester in the finish. And I'd say one thing that's unique about it, and I know this is a beer show, we're talking about spirits, but... Um, you know, uh, I would never drink gin meat personally, but I would drink our gin meat uh, all day long. Absolutely. It's just, yeah, it, it really tastes like a whiskey. It's not, you know, aged in an oak barrel, but it has a lot of flavor to it that most people don't attribute to uh, to gin. So if you uh, are not a gin fan, uh, but you're open to trying new things, I think uh, uh, our gin might be something you're really interested in. All right, let's take another break. Get back. We'll talk more with Real L Brewing. And uh, man, uh, real, real spirits, real spirits distilling company. I drink of ages. Be right back. Just ain't there. 
Whether a startup brewery or distillery or you've been around for years, the badass folks at Cash Branding has to be your go-to source for branded merchandise and apparel. Cash Branding does it all, from imprinted glassware, coasters, koozies, tin tackers, and bottle openers to dickies and red cap work shirts, t-shirts, and caps. Their apparel decorating options are top-notch, offering embroidery and the latest trends in screen printing, using water-based and discharge inks to achieve that super soft feel. Artwork services and samples are always free. Why go out of town or use multiple supplies for your branded merchandise? Keep it local like we do. Let the badasses at Cash Branding, the official merchandise sponsor of Drink of Ages, kick your branded merchandise and apparel up a notch. Give them a call at 855-376-7638 or check them out at CashBranding.com. All right, this is Rick of Ages. Axis number three. Axis number three. <laughs> is it Axis? number three. Axis number three. Drink of Ages radio show. We're hanging out with Real Old Brewing Company. We have President and co-owner Brad Farbstein and Ian Arocha hanging out uh, here at Drink of Ages Pub. And, and one of the things that, that is that I, I, a lot of breweries that I talk to, you know, in the Houston area, they're still small scale. And so quality and then the Brew Association pushed that a couple years ago. Quality, 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 you know, over quantity by far. And one of the things is being a brewery that once you get to a certain point and you're putting so much beer out there in, in, in Texas, you know, in such a big, giant state, how do you maintain the quality? Well, uh, we do it on a lot of different levels. I mean, the first thing we do is uh, every product that we put out in the market is uh, dated clearly on the package with an expiration date. A Julian date and a timestamp, so we know exactly when that beer was produced. Uh, and then we also keep a library of that beer at the brewery. Um, if we have consumer complaints, we can go back to that original uh, production run and sample the beer um, directly from um, our control, which is really important. So the brewery actually has uh, four different quality labs on site that operate. Uh, the entire time we're in operation. So uh, we have two analytical labs where um, we are uh, doing everything from uh, measuring IBUs to uh, uh, doing cell counts for pitches to uh, um, looking under a microscope at um, um, different bugs and uh, stuff going on. Uh, there is a, uh, a full uh, micro lab as well. Uh, that has a HEPA filter, so we're able to do uh, all of our uh, agar pours for all of our plates in-house. Uh, and then we also have a sensory lab, you know, uh, so we break our quality program into two separate programs. We have a quality control program and we have a quality assurance program. The quality control program uses very objective tools and measurements. Uh, and gives us very uh, analytical results. Uh, and there's about 35 different tests that beer goes through from the time uh, grain comes into our facility to the time a bottle comes off our bottling line where we make sure that the beer uh, is within spec. And uh, we have uh, standard operating procedures for everything that we do to make sure that the beer turns out uh, exactly the way we expect. Uh, we feel like a lot of brewers... Um, 
you know, try their beer right off their bottling line. They think it tastes great, and that's the last time they think about their beer. And regretfully, um, that's just the beginning of a beer's journey because that beer has to leave the brewery, go on a distributor's truck, you know, get trucked all over the state, hopefully get put in a distributor's warehouse, ultimately get pulled and put in a distributor's van or truck, delivered to a grocery store, convenience store, bar, or restaurant. In a lot of Texas heat. In a lot of yeah, Texas at the heat. same time, yeah, yeah. And, cold and, filtered for and, the cleanest, coldest. Like, whoa, 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 time out, man. The trucks aren't that way. <laughs> no, they're not refrigerated. So, um, you know, with our quality assurance program, what we do is we pull about twelve samples off of every can line run and every bottling line run, and then we keep that library in house and. Um, based on the expiration date of the beer, most of our beers are dated either four months or six months. Uh, for a four-month beer, we will actually blindly sample that beer in a triangle taste test uh, in the sensory lab at least four different times, at least once per month for every month that it's uh, in, uh, in the market. And, uh, you know, a lot of people say, well, man, I, I just... I want to come and you know be part of your sensory program, drink a bunch of beer, and I think what a lot of people don't realize is that um, you know in order to participate in that program, one you have to be an employee, but uh, two there's about eight and a half months worth of training that goes into that program because um, we have to teach you the microbiology and the chemistry behind uh, beer off flavorings, and then we have to teach you the nomenclature so that you can um, speak the language with us. So I can't have someone tell me it tastes good or bad. I have to have them be very specific about what they're tasting. So if they taste uh, buttered popcorn, they have to tell me it tastes like diacetyl. If it tastes like cream corn, it's dimethyl sulfide. If it's oxidized, it's trans 2 nonenol. So um, we have to teach them the chemistry and microbiology and where those flavors come from. And then ultimately a way to talk about them so that um, they can be very exacting in what they're tasting. And we... Um, we do two sensory uh, programs a day, uh, four days a week. Uh, so uh, we are sampling our beer. We, we uh, consider it to be a full 360-degree uh, program because um, if we start to see something happening in the sensory lab that we don't like about one of our brands, uh, we will go back into the standard operating procedures inside the brewery and adjust something that we feel like will make that beer better. And then we'll see that beer come back through the sensory program and we're able to evaluate whether we were able to affect change or not. So it's a continuous improvement process and a process that uh, is a huge insurance policy for us to make sure that we're putting out the beer that we expect. We have a concept uh, at Real Ale called True to Brand. And even though we use the same ingredients, uh, the same water, uh, in the same process, we want to verify that the beer we thought we were going to make is the beer we actually made. So if we make Rio Blanco, there's very there's about 15 different specs that we want to make sure that we hit that uh, entails in, in the, the flavor profile of Rio Blanco. Um, so we'll do uh, true to brand testing and then we'll do triangle testing. Uh, with triangle testing, you're going to receive uh, blindly three different samples two samples will be exactly the same and one will be different. We'll ask people which one they prefer and why. And that really helps us identify what's going on with the beer. You know, in this program as well, we constantly are messing with people's heads. So uh, we will... I would we, say you are. And it's like, no, 
B is wrong. You're like, B is the same as A. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we will actually dose our own beers with off flavorings yeah. to see if people are picking up on them. And then we will also uh, bring in competitors' beers into the program and see how those perform uh, in the sensory program. So it's it's a really great program. Uh, it's run by uh, Kathy Towns, who's our quality manager. Uh, and then uh, Lee uh, uh, runs most of the programs. And if you've never had a chance to meet uh, Lee Mayberry, she's, uh, she's great. She's a microbiologist, and we... Uh, uh, we have her out in the market about four times a year. She usually does beer off flavoring courses, and we've done a couple here in Houston. But you know, I think the more people know, uh, the better people will be educated about what good beer is. And uh, we we just want to make sure the beer we're putting out is something we can really stand behind. Yeah, and it doesn't it doesn't stop there. You know, I mean, part of uh, part of the job and part of what I do is is to make sure that you know once it's out there. You know, we're we're pulling. You know, as salespeople, we're pulling the 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 brands off the shelf if they're out of code, and making sure that they're not reaching the consumers' hands. Because, you know, frankly, they're probably not going to understand that coding or really know to even look for it because it's not something that's very big in the in in, in the market. And um, you know, if there's issues at the restaurants and bars and stuff that we that we service, uh, you know, we, we get it from time to time where something's going on with the keg and we got to go taste that keg and you know, um, I'd say a lot often, of times, often, uh, yeah, you need to clean some lines. Yeah, yeah I mean, I mean, oftentimes there are part. definitely some yeah. some variables that uh, we feel like we control. But from time to time, there there are things uh, where it was definitely um, something that was uh, out of the the bar's control, and it goes back. And that's just you know that that is just to kind of show that the the quality doesn't end with what we're doing at the brewery. We we, we see it through to the end. Yeah, yeah. we don't we don't limit the quality just to the liquid. The quality has to do with everything that we do. So, you know, the packaging, uh, labels have to be straight on bottles. Uh, print has to be clear and legible the way we shrink wrap pallets. Uh, and we also monitor inbound quality. So, um, you know, our six-pack supplier, we, we have a quality standard that they have to meet. We'll actually receive a full truckload of new six-pack carriers and we'll pull a single carrier off and we'll put it up against a table where we have what we call golden samples and there's a checklist and uh, we'll check you know the UPC color registration uh, clarity uh, uh, score lines and uh, if uh, all of those criterion are not met we'll literally put the six-pack carrier back on the truck we'll close the doors of the 18-wheeler and we'll send an entire 18-wheelers worth of supplies back to the manufacturer uh, and you only have to do that once uh, until you get the <laughs> until, right product to come into your brewery. Make yeah. sure that so, doesn't happen yeah, again. We don't want to deal with other people's mistakes, so uh, we uh, we monitor that on the inbound side as well. And and we don't limit that to packaging materials. It, it, it goes to uh, barley as it's coming in from the fields. We uh, will evaluate barley, hops, uh, water coming in from the city. Uh, so uh, we just want to make sure we know exactly what we're working with so we can get a good product out to market every single day of the week. Well, you're already making a good product, but to make it consistent is going to be the biggest. I mean, it's something, especially at your level that you're brewing, I mean, to make that consistent product over and over and over again. Yeah, I mean, for an unfiltered, unpasteurized product, um, yeah, it, it is difficult and it's definitely a big challenge, but uh, we're up to the challenge. And, you know, I think, again, I think that's why uh, people um, – uh, come back to real well. I know that people are going to go and try a lot of different brands through the years, but 
uh, you know, a lot of our customers are uh, uh, lifelong customers. And they always come back to Real because they know exactly what they're going to get. Fellas, man, I appreciate you guys hanging out. Absolutely. Thanks for having us, John. Yeah, it's been awesome. Uh, you know, uh, if uh, anybody gets a chance, come out and see us out in the hill country out at uh, Real L Brewing Company. We're in Blanco, Texas. It's a beautiful drive out there and a wonderful place to be. So uh, thanks, John, for having us. We appreciate right, Brad, it. Brad, Ian, and always fun hanging out with you guys. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. Want to say again, man, go out there and try some Eureka Heights Wow Factor 5.1% Hoppy German Style Pilsner. Get some of that if you haven't tried it yet. It's going to be limited. You can only get it for a short period of time. Yeah, you can listen to any of the old podcasts sponsored by No Label Brewing Company by going to drinkofages.com and find us on iTunes and all kind of places out on the web. And while you're at it, go out there and get some What the Hatch, man. This is a pale ale brew with hatch chilies that are roasted over fire. Makes this beer perfect to go with cheeseburger, wings, or any spicy foods. Get some while you can at your local grocery stores or on tap around the city. Everybody be safe out there. Talk to you guys next week.